Hi everyone, welcome back to Artists in Pajamas with me, Livia Papianik, and my good friend, Chloe Rochefort. Today, we are interviewing Katrina Wilde. Uh, we met Katrina at the Royal College of Art. She is also a textile artist based in Stoke-upon-Trent. Uh, and in this podcast, we talk about her practice, uh, natural dyeing, her relationship to her culture in Bulgaria and how she looks to connect people with nature. So let's get right into it. Chloe, we need a jingle. I've got something in mind right now. Okay. It goes like... Yeah, I think you should work on that for now. You're sure? Yeah. Okay, right. Let's create a better one for the next episode. Okay, next episode. (laughs) So hey, Katrina, it's so great to have you here on the podcast. So you are one of our peers from Royal College of Art. You're a textile artist, but you also define yourself as a facilitator. We are really excited to talk about this subject further on on the podcast. But for the moment, the first question will be, if you had to carry your personal paradise in your pocket, what would it be? That's such a great question. And... um... I was thinking about it the other day and there would definitely be a, 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 like a garden that I could take around with me with like different kinds of fruits, vegetables and dye plants and just to be able to take this garden out and put it wherever I was, wherever, wherever I was. That would definitely be kind of the number one thing in my personal paradise. And then the other, the few other things that would go in it um, and also, thank you for asking me on the podcast. It's really nice of you to ask. I didn't say that at the beginning, but yeah. You're welcome. Um, maybe, I think I would probably need a sewing machine too, just because I always find when, I'm, when I really get into sewing, the time just goes so quickly and, you know, you just really get into the flow and you just really concentrate. And I really love that. And I think that would, and I would need clothes in my paradise. So I would definitely need a sewing machine. Probably would need a loom too, but I'm not really a weaver, so I wouldn't know how to operate it. Um, And some nice red wine. That would be in my personal paradise. (laughs) It seems like a really chill paradise. I like that. Really craft base as well all we want <laughs> definitely definitely it's just how like making is I mean I think that is the case for most crafters but not a job and more like something that is literally in you and that you have to be doing in order to express yourself and therefore you kind of as you say like need the means to be able to communicate your ideas constantly really yeah definitely and I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I was at work and I was working with a new person he's like oh so what do you do then and I was and that question always gives me such terrible anxiety depending on who I'm talking to but because it it was at work so he he wasn't like he's not a textile person or anything and I was explaining to him and I was kind of saying you know but I feel so fortunate because the work that I do just doesn't feel like work at all and Mm -hmm. it's kind of I, I could I could literally do it every day even on the days that it's frustrating I would be happy to kind of you know just sit and dye some stuff or sew something it yeah. just I think it really helps me to relate to the world making mm-hmm. and I, yeah I just feel super fortunate to be able to do it. Do you want to explain a little bit more about what your practice is and what you're currently exploring through what you're making? Yeah definitely so I think um so I, I work most, I work exclusively actually with nat- natural dyes and natural color. And that often comes from 
um, either foraged, found, collected or bought plant matter. Um, I've in the past I've kind of uh, collaborated with restaurants to gather their food waste to to get dye stuff from that um, just so I can have like a, a more significant amount of dye. I also have like an allotment where I'm growing some plants and stuff that I, uh, we use for dyeing when they when they come into the season and that's the really beautiful thing about kind of working with natural colour is that you have to really work in a seasonal way unless I've got some I do have dried dye stuff too but it it kind of really like puts you in tune with kind of what's what's going around you but also foraging is a really is a really um nice way you just obviously like when you forage you just never take more than what you need and never take the last thing and all that kind of stuff yeah I really like like foraging as well it's kind of I'll go for a walk in the park by me like regularly and you can just you can really see the change that the seasons bring to to the space and stuff and it, for me I think it really adds a, another layer of connection with the natural world when I'm kind of like looking at plants thinking so what color are you going to bring me like there was a tree that I kept passing just before the winter and it had these little kind of acorn type of things on um, I can't remember what tree it was, but it has acorns and it has catkins, which is like these long, like almost look like caterpillars or something. You you will yeah. recognize the tree yeah, if you see it. Yeah. I can't remember what the tree is called now. And I was like looking at this tree, thinking, what color is the are these acorns going to give? And then I was then it started snowing, and I walked past the same tree, and all around the tree in the ice was this like really bright yellow color, and I was mm -hmm. like. So yeah. that's what call you give. And it was just amazing because like, I was thinking about this tree so often, like what is, and I, did, I didn't pick any cause I was just like, oh, I was just curious at the time. And then all of a sudden, like nature told me by itself. And I was just like, this is amazing. And I just, it just really kind of reflected to me about noticing kind of your surroundings. And it just was a yeah. really beautiful moment. So yeah, mm. I work with natural dyes um, and I'm really interested in kind of, relationships with materials and having this sense of interconnectedness with all kinds of different beings because everything is so interconnected you know and like all even all the materials that we use they pass through so many ha people's hands before they come to us and I think that can sometimes be forgotten especially kind of you know with fast fashion and things being so cheap and you know all clothing is handmade like at the end of the day you know we can put these nice labels on like really bespoke things saying oh handmade stuff but actually everything is handmade but they're just not always made in the best of conditions and like and in, yeah in really awful conditions often so I'm, I'm really kind of interested in I guess what's the word I'm looking for to kind of reinvigorate and um, reimagine our relationship with textiles and to see how we can feel more connected and I think for me natural dye really bridges the kind of seeking connection with nature and you know how important nature is and also we the climate crisis and the ecological crisis it's really important that we kind of you know begin to really see like how powerful nature is and kind of and then on the other side of that is the textiles and the making and how you know how textiles and materials deserve respect and so do the makers that make all the textiles and for me natural dye bridges those two things together yeah, so, yeah in, interested in relations with materials yeah. and people. I guess that that's really amazing the way you just encompasses all of these like different themes into your practice and make it so rich and so unique. And I think 
I wanted to like ask you like about the balance you know like we were wondering with Lydia this balance between your research and your making and how do they intertwine together because we read a lot about your like the, the journal that you have on your website and uh, we could see that there was this thing that you love to travel you love to just have this knowledge coming from your family as well and we're wondering how all of that just intertwined together yeah yeah that's such a lovely question um I guess uh, I'm half Bulgarian half English and I think but we're very kind of more connected to the Bulgarian side of the family just because that's that's the way that our family is whatever we're just much closer that side and um, I think the way that the kind of research and making really intertwines for me is it is in this really kind of embodied way and in a really something that's called tacit knowledge which is kind of like it's the knowledge that is within you already and it's kind of like a generational knowledge and it's you know it's maybe passed on through words but it's not necessarily like it's just you just know it's intu it's intuitive and that's you know how it works but not all my research is obviously intuitive and there's like a lot of like other stuff that goes into it especially with like the technical side of natural dyeing but so for example I was kind of you know at the moment I'm kind of like working with my grandma and she's kind of she's always kind of used plants for healing um within like just her own personal practice and it, she's not like a herbalist or anything like that just amateur kind of herbalist she was a midwife that was her kind of that was that was her job through her life but she's always kind of used plants and stuff and especially like when we were growing up that that was the remedy that we would use it would be plant-based and recently when I've been re reflecting on that I've kind of been really interested in like why am I drawn to this practice of kind of natural dye because neither neither of my parents like artists or anything like that they're not in a creative kind of job role so for both me and then my sister as well to like have come to textiles mm. for me is just like so intriguing like why when we both came to it on, yeah. on a complete own like we were always kind of you know drawing and stuff and we like had encouragement and whatever but it was never like oh you know like I didn't know that there was a job as a textile designer growing up that wasn't like something that was a was available like yeah you could be an artist but there was all like connotations with that and I will get to the point like it was just like very like, waffly <laughs> yeah I just think oh yeah can you turn it down please sorry I've got some I've got some pots boiling over there and my sister's just asking me if I want to turn it down yeah so and I'm really interested in those kind of parallels between why I like choose to work with plants in this way and the way that, you know, my grandma and like family have worked with plants less so my mom, she, she moved to England and stuff and stuff changed for her, whatever. But so my grandma was a midwife and she, you know, worked with plants. My great grandmother was a seamstress. I knew where like she'd made us clothes and stuff when we were growing up. Like housewife, but also like a seamstress and like knitter and that kind of mm. thing. So worked with textiles. My great great grandmother, she, one of them used to sew cotton in a garden and would pick it, spin it, um, weave it. And then that would like, she'd make cloth. And then the other grandma, the other great grandma from my grandma's dad's side, she um, looked after silkworms and tended to silkworms and mulberry trees. And then my great, 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 three times great grandmother, she was a healer in the village along with, with the granddad. And I'm really kind of interested in this line of people and how then me and Nadia have kind of come to this textile practice. So I think a lot of my work feels really intuitive 
And yeah, of course, there is kind of research and stuff that goes on with that. And I really found writing my kind of dissertation a really kind of helpful way to find ways to articulate it because I hadn't like I think I knew this stuff before but I just I'd never really sat down to think about it and kind of articulate it in that kind of way yeah so I think that's I think that's kind of how it all intertwines and I'm just I'm kind of exploring that thread at the moment and just seeing you know where that kind of takes me and I'm kind of interested in the parallels between me and my grandma and kind of working with my grandma on some recipes at the moment and she's doing ones for plants that she uses and I'm doing the same for kind of with textiles and looking at traditional Bulgarian garments and um, rituals and that kind of thing so yeah I think that's awesome this like that was actually going to be one of my questions but you kind of answered it because I was going to ask how the coincidence of both of you guys ending up in textiles was there because um I was reading about the one where you guys traveled Chiprovsky. Yeah, um, and I was just curious if, if you were being taught textiles when you were younger or if it was just part on but you explained it. I think it's so poetic how when you go back to our ancestries and you just notice all the different little links that like yeah. you know, you put three different people and you're like, Oh yeah, all those three together, kind of like what has ended up making me in in the kind of what you're interested yeah. in. Yeah, totally. And like I I did a kind of I did a BTEC um, course when I finished school and that was like two years of art and design and then I did fashion and then I think I had I applied for fashion styling courses actually mm-hmm. but I had a year out to like work and whatnot between and then I was applying for it I got in and I was like eh, I don't know and then I had a friend who'd gone to Loughborough to do textiles and she was like I think you should do textiles you'll really enjoy it then the following year I applied to do textiles and then did textiles instead and yeah just really actually no I was gonna say I really enjoyed it but I actually didn't enjoy my undergrad that much I had it was okay but I don't I don't like the work aesthetically I like the thing the thought behind the work now but I don't I don't resonate with it aesthetically really Mm, so so you you did a lot of internships I think in between your BA then and your MA um what kind of industries were there in was those in and is that uh, also part I don't know if it was in fashion or the textile industry and like did that have a part in as well in you seeing how the textile world is definitely so when when I was doing my BA I um I did it I did a study abroad in Hong Kong for like five months and there the course is really different and you could kind of choose six subjects instead of in Manchester we just had we do textiles and you specialize in print or you specialize in something else and I really wanted something a bit more kind of refined and one of the courses that I did was sustainability in the textiles and fashion industry this was like 2014 I think that I was doing it but and I had like some interest already in sustainable quote-unquote textiles and there I met people that were doing internships and I didn't really I didn't really know that internships were a thing until like you know meeting these people and like seeing the kind of things that they they'd done and stuff and my course didn't have an internship yet and I I really wanted it because I just felt a bit lost at the end of it so I'd organized some internships for like the year after graduating so from the January like I'd I worked for a bit like have this job work where it's like flexible working so I'm not on a contract mm-hmm. but you pick up shifts and whatever and um, so I worked for a bit and then 
the first internship that I did was at Zandra Rose and that was for two months and that was really fun and that was a really great experience like you know working in the print room I was like working with a print designer we did a bit of stuff in the print room as well we got to like stay stay in like a house there and stuff and that, that was amazing and then the next internship that I did was at Salvage Mag- Magazine and then the one after that I did a bit of work with a stylist um so they were all kind of like fashion and textiles yeah. orientated mm-hmm. and then the one after that I did was in Manchester with a supply chain and manufacturing company for like high street brands and it was for a month and I wanted to do that because when I graduated my undergrad I was like well and I, I need like I need a job like I need and, and I knew I didn't want to go into fast fashion but I, at the time I was like well, that's the only kind of job yeah. that I can do. And I couldn't even and I couldn't even get a job in fast fashion because the, the feedback that I got was your work isn't commercial enough. And I was like, oh, what do you want from me? Like, I don't know what to do then. Fine, whatever, it wasn't meant to be. And it was probably for the best that it didn't happen. So yeah, I did this internship with the supply chain and manufacturing company. People were lovely, but it was, it was really not for me. And just the amount of stuff that they'd go through just like, yeah colorways and like sending from like the factories in china back to england it was just like really i knew it wasn't for me basically and then mm-hmm. after that internship i did an internship with a natural dyer called cara piazza who's based in new york and i was just like this is this is the thing and i did a bit of natural dyeing in my undergrad and that's how i kind of like knew about her and i'd done some research and i just sent her an email i was like would really love to come and learn from you and she was amazing like she was very like giving with with her time and kind of knowledge and stuff and then I was like okay I think I want my own thing eventually but like still need a job so I carried on working the job that I, that I work now just like casual, like kind of casually and then I was working at a bar as well and then I did a bit of teaching work at like the local college where I used to where I used to go in on the te- on the art course and did like assisted some artists like on big bigger murals and stuff I painted some murals can just in Stoke-on-Trent where I'm from and then in what year is it? in 2019 so all the internships were 2017 and then I had a year of like working you know paying off the overdraft all that kind of yeah. stuff doing that thing I was doing a bit of drawing I was so frustrated at the time like I don't know what my style is all my work is shit da, 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 da. and I was just like just persisted with it yeah and then so that was 2018 just working and then 2019 I got like a, a small grant from an organization called Grow Wild and I was able to put on an exhibition of some like screen printed textiles I'd, I'd also made some um, ceramic vessels and worked with a friend who's a florist and like just put this exhibition on and I really liked bringing people together and we did workshops it was lovely and then I'd spoken to Cara again and I was like I'm starting at the Royal College in September I would really love to come back and like you know start to document some colours with you and she was just like yeah definitely come come back let's do it and we like spent the summer like documenting um, different different dyes and that gave me a really good base to kind of start at RCA with so I knew that natural dye was the direction for me from going but the internships were good I would just like the internships were good the ones that were good and it was great to kind of you know feel your your way through things Mm -hmm. but like there wasn't there wasn't jobs after it so and it the majority weren't paid they were like either paid in kind or not paid at all just like expenses and 
I just don't think that's the way to to do things at all. Like some of some of them were paid, and that was that was great and stuff. I I wouldn't you know for people that feel like internships are the only yeah. way. I would just say it's not. not if they're not paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's paid that's, work. It's always like a, a dilemma with the internship, isn't it? Because you you feel like people want you to have experience, and the only way you get experience is by giving it doing it for free for a bit, and then but it's interesting, like because working within that industry like and obviously now now you've got such a strong style so it's interesting to hear you say that you were, you weren't really sure where you were going and that you were kind of lost but now like I think for the whole two years that I've like known you at the RTA um you've got a really recognizable good style like you know you see your destiny like, yeah that's between you see your work and it is it's really powerful and the the exhibition that you did which as from what you said that was before you started at the RTA yeah, that still yeah. has like so strong uh, and such a good exhibition. I didn't realize you did that. I thought you did that whilst you were um, at the RTA. So that was weak. And I also thought that you're really interested that you collaborated with a lot of artists because you said that um, in yeah. that exhibition space, uh, you then invited other artists to come in and you've uh, done a lot of dye works for other artists for their clothes. Mm-hmm. Other yeah. How has that kind of collaboration with different people inspired you in that way? Oh my god I think it's amazing I absolutely love collaborating with people and I just think it's for me that's been the kind of the 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 best kind of outlet for my work just because I'm not the most skilled maker or so I'm not not very neat I'm very slapdash and you know to be able to work with people who aren't as slapdash with with like finishing stuff and just have like a different vision of what is possible has been really really great and you know with that exhibition I, like I was like well I have this space like let me open it up to other people and where I'm from like in Stoke there wasn't really that much going on and stuff and like I had these friends who are really great makers but at the time there wasn't so much going on and I was just like yeah let's let, let's just have some nice workshops and stuff and get people who you know see themselves as not creative to actually participate and just try something a bit different and I was I was in um, before COVID I was running a live drawing class in in a bar in in Stokeham regularly, like a monthly one. And that was really great. And it was, you know, the class was always full and people came who would like, oh, I'm so scared. I've never, I haven't drawn in years. I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. And it was like, it's okay. We're just going to have like a glass of wine, a chill. Like there's materials here. We've got a model. Let's just like have a really relaxing time. And it was for me, I think it feels really important to facilitate space so that other people feel like they they can join in the conversation of like art and creativity and not feel kind of like they're not allowed to be part of it or whatever and yeah I think the the collaborative the collaborative work is it's a really great way for me to kind of connect with other makers but also to kind of be able to see different applications for my work because you know um, when I put work together obviously it looks just very much like my work but I think it can be really interesting when other people take you know either the the textiles or the natural color and kind of make it their own or something that works together and yeah I found I found that to be really important and really enjoyable and just to kind of it feels very much like you kind of build community much better when you collaborate with people and not so like insular for me for me that's what I found anyway right I agree. No, but that's, 
that's really cool because like I saw that with some people from the whip at SCI so for example Kathleen like something that you did with her that like Marshall had some flowers this morning on this like insta story and she mentioned your name so I think I can pretty see like or you want to exchange your knowledge and just find different application. And I think this whole community building is, is I guess, really, really enriching. And uh, I think it leads me also to like this question about your actual studio now you're in, because I, I, you read this article on Stockholm Trend, on your Stockholm Trend studio and how you didn't want to be there at the beginning. And now you're just super happy about it. And you have your, your studio with your sister. And I thought it was such a great history to, yeah, just talk a bit about like your your, your actual studio situation, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, the, the studio that I'm in is in a place called Spode Works, which is an old ceramic factory in, in Stoke. And there's an organisation called Akava that, that renovate old buildings and make them in artist studios. There's one here and then the, they've got some in London and also I think in Berlin, maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. So they've they've renovated this part of the building for artist studios. And before the one that I have with my sister, I had a really, really tiny studio, which is probably the one that you read about in that blog post mm -hmm. um, in, in the same building, but I, was, I actually had kept it. I had it from when I was doing that exhibition in 2019. So I'd had it from like maybe February then. And it was, it was literally like a tiny corridor, but I was, it was like 50 pounds a month. And it was kind of like, this is amazing. It was my own, yeah, my, my, own, my own space, two big windows, loads of light. I was like, this is perfect for me. So had that studio. And then I actually kept it through RCA and I was just subletting it to a friend who wanted some space and I wasn't in there. So it made sense that I could like keep it still, but you know, like I wasn't paying for it because my friend was subletting it. So I had that studio, I had already like had an in here. And then like I was living in London and obviously COVID, March, I had like moved back home, which which I thought was going to be for three weeks and turned out to be <laughs> a, <laughs> turned out to be a whole year, whatever, fine. Um and I really kind of struggled with moving back home, like back like with my parents and stuff, because I'm like in a good situation really but I was just like oh you know I really expected to be in London for two years and really like have a great time in London but there was just no way that I could afford to stay in London and get a studio that was like completely out of the question and both of my flatmates were working from home so the mm -hmm. only space to work would have been my room and, and it just worked out that you know someone else could take my room straight away and it just worked out really really well so moved back home and then I still had the small studio. My friend didn't want it anymore. But I don't know if I, I, or I can't remember. Maybe she was using it and I just didn't use it until the summer. Anyway, however it was, came back home, then moved back home like properly. The, no, actually, she, at my friend Emily, she was using the space because I didn't have it back. So I was just working at home and stuff. And then it's weird trying to backtrack. Kind of, like <laughs> okay. the whole year just feels like a blur. So yeah, I'm just like hey. trying to like. So much happened, it. no. <laughs> yeah so much happened oh yeah I was in I went to Bulgaria for the summer and I think in in end of June maybe or beginning of July whatever and I ended up staying like much longer than I'd anticipated just that some family stuff happened and stayed till the middle of October and I again I am getting to my point like <laughs> slowly yeah. we, lo we love a good storyteller yes nice journey <laughs> 
and and yeah so I came back in October and there was two studios available in the same building much bigger spaces and because I'd moved back home my sister had just finished her undergrad at Loughborough in July and she wasn't living at home but I was and we she was like living with her partner and um, like we we share a room at home so it wasn't possible for us to like have a loom and you know like dye pops and all that kind of stuff at home and and I was in Bulgaria and we were talking and we were like maybe we should just get a studio like and we talked about it way before COVID we're like we want a studio together one day but we what by one day we meant like five years time when we've both got loads of experience and we can have our own thing and it was just kind of it was more for necessity really that we needed space to work my old studio was too small for the both of us like Navi wouldn't she's got like a loom that's wider than a meter and a couple of others and the the space wasn't even a meter wide so it wouldn't have happened so yeah we were just like right let's just let's just do it then and like get this studio and we've got the studio and I just feel so fortunate to be able to have the space and stuff and yeah I just feel really lucky and I th- for ages I was kind of really tormenting myself with like you know not being in London not being in the center of it but I was like nothing's happening in London literally nothing is happening in London so I th- like I think it's okay for, mm-hmm. for me to be here and Nadi actually said to me before you know as soon as you walk through that door the studio could be anywhere but it's your studio at the end yeah. of the day and it doesn't it doesn't matter so much where it is especially with all all the online stuff so yeah, that's how we that's how we came to this space and it's and it's really it's really nice when it's sunny and just yeah very yeah very lucky to have it, makes, it so yeah. yeah it looks like from the photos it looks like a really nice studio and it makes such a difference it makes such a difference where you make and i think like uh when you're cooped up some whether it's small or somewhere that isn't bringing you inspiration it can have such a big impact on on what mm. you're making and how you're feeling so having a nice studio that especially with natural light and windows which obviously looks like you can tell here that <laughs> you have i think must have a really nice atmosphere and as you say wherever it is you're making and then you can connect and it seems like you've actually managed to connect with a lot of people from uh so in london you're kind of like a small fish in a huge pond whereas here you're you're you know an artist with all the other artists that are within this small area so in a way you can your voice is heard a lot more within that that's such a good good way to put it Olivia. i never even like yeah completely completely and there's such a nice community of like artists here and just even like uh, just like across from us there's like a, a, two friends who are photographers. There's a film processing like lab. There's like loads of other makers in here. And this isn't the only kind of studio thing that is in Stoke. And, and you're so right when you say like, it just feels like there's actually like a good community and you can feel like you can actually have some, some kind of impact and stuff and really connect with like other other people who are working in, with the communities here. And I think I think the thing with, with Stoke as well is that like it's often referred to as a bit of a dump and a bit of a dive but the people here are really great and I think there's so much opportunity and and in London I think maybe that that would maybe feel a little bit lost or maybe I would feel a bit lost but I think there's it feels like there's there's opportunity here that's kind of at the moment untapped. And as you like, and in, I guess in some way, like in London, there's, as you said, already so many opportunities for people to do things and there, as you say, with like the 
the people want there just needs to be like those people like you that are like going to create those opportunities and those creative hubs in order to build it as a creative hub it's always you know there's always got it's always going to start from somewhere um and you're directly making impact with people that don't have access to that kind of you know art scene whereas like in london there's loads and there's actually so much that it feels as like an artist it feels really daunting in a way because you you don't even there's so so much of it that it's like how do you start entering it um and how do you approach people when there's already so much going on so there you know you put on uh yeah it's really nice De definitely yeah, Sorry, go on. Oh no, I just I was going to say that I think this pandemic thing actually like helped us revalue a lot like hometown as well. Like the yeah. fact that you just come back, you see it differently, like for your project, or as you say, just like the social environment, like the people that you meet there, like you just realize there is opportunity that you didn't see before because you were cry craving like just big cities with you know, just big names and all just big gallery names, for example. Yeah. And I think it really like make us change like perspective and how to share as well like uh and where you want to share your things and where it make much like sense to actually put your practice and that's why it's really amazing i think yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it's just i think artists have such kind of power to actually really be able to facilitate change and you know when when artists go into places that's when it starts to really come alive and i think his kind of you know creatives we really should harness that and kind of open the doors up for community and just kind of you know create spaces that are welcoming and inviting and not elitist and kind of you know that say yes you are welcome to to be part of this conversation don't feel like you have to have some special knowledge to take part you know you, your opinion is valid kind of thing and I think I think that's something that we really can do as artists and especially you know we, we go to this like elite school where we kind of you know meet all these great people and have all these great conversations and you know not everyone has that opportunity so how do we kind of disseminate what we've learned and kind of what we know to, to like a wider audience that might not have access to that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I was, I, I've always been scared about this fact that I would become like an elitist kind of person that wouldn't be close to an audience or that wouldn't be accessible. I mean, this is like, this, this is one of the thinking about these days. I don't want to become someone that actually talks about a work in an unreachable kind of way for a audience. And yeah, mm -hmm. I can really understand where you come from on this point, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And even even just like you know the the language that like artists sometimes use around their work I just like I can't even understand the sentences yeah. and I'm reading it and I'm reading it and I'm reading yeah. it and I'm just going you just what are you trying it. to say yeah <laughs> I was actually I was reading an I don't know which article it was but I was reading an article like this a couple of days ago and it was talking about how I don't know how long ago but how like the trend for really complicated artist statements and like you know, philosophize mm. everything that you say and how apparently it is kind of, uh, that trend is kind of going down and that now is more and more of the trend of just being like straight mm. open about your practice. So I think that's a really positive. And also isn't most creatives kind of like dyslexic? <laughs> like, like, I mean, in my part anyway, so I'm like, I don't want a complicated sentence about your practice. Tell me what you've done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's so funny. What other practitioners do you relate to and that inspire you with your with what you're doing? I I just I really feel kind of inspired 
by my peers at Royal College, but also kind of people in Stoke was, there's a few really great kind of like community organizations and stuff that, that are happening in Stoke. And a lot of it is centered around clay. And like we have the British Ceramics Biennial, Biennial Biennale, I'm not sure. I think, it, is it Biennale? Biennale, but I'm not sure, I'm never sure. I'm, not, I'm never sure either. So we have the, I'm gonna call it the BCB. We have the BCB here and they are an amazing organization. They work like a lot with um, with ceramics, but also groups of people. There's there's um, there's a, a community interest company called the Portland Inn Project that work um, in, in an area in Stoke that um, is troubled, but you know they are working to renovate a pub to make it a community hub. And they and have done like a little bit of work with them before just some kind of natural dyeing stuff. And they are really making a positive impact on like that community. And, and again, it's artists that are organizing it and you know really, really kind of, um, just making the change that they want to see and like they jump through so many hoops and there's like you know small a few small businesses of friends that I know that are really kind of yeah making just really working with communities I think I'm, I'm really inspired by people who work with communities and have this really there's like a balance between kind of you know a really great visual aesthetic and kind of from a visual standpoint and then you know the work that they're doing is also really great and important and exciting and interesting and I, th I think for me that that always feels like one of the big things that the work is aesthetically interesting and pleasing yeah and then you know the content is also really great in terms of practitioners there's a, there's a lot of kind of you know natural dyes that I think the work is incredible and I'm, I'm actually I'm actually really bad at kind of naming that's fine that's off the top of my head <laughs> But you know, you know, like even like just the work of like Annie Albers and the kind of more like the philosophy like behind yeah. her work and stuff. And yeah, I, what I am really inspired by actually is <laughs> the weavers in Chiprovci, which is the village in Bulgaria me and my sister went to, and craftspeople who like who aren't like at this pinnacle of fame, but you know, they, they do the work and they know how to do the work and have known how to do the work for years. And you know, it's a very kind of methodical and and humble way to work even though what they're creating is absolutely insane incredible beautiful things and for me that feels kind of more inspiring than than like kind of famous famous yeah. artists I think because no, I, I mean I was really impressed with with what you wrote about them and you said like how like they don't even have the design in front of them that they just have it in their memories and they're just doing mm -hmm. it and I was like god that you know that that's just pure like love and also years yeah. and years of of making like, which is like, like your soul you know, or something like that yeah, definitely mm -hmm. and and it's yeah and it's kind of um to to kind of you know persist with that kind of work and it is backbreaking work to like weave carpets or even to like hand embroider you know textiles that it it's exhausting working you know you sat down all day and you're like weaving and when we went when we went to Chiprovti and we like you know everyone weaves in the houses so we were invited into people's houses it was the whole thing was incredible like complete magic and they're just like so open showing us what they were doing like you know showing us you know how they weave and how quick they weave and it's like it's just a shame because the craft isn't being taken up by young people because they go to like western countries to like seek jobs for money and stuff so you know the, the, it's, it's a dying craft which which are kind of so frustrating to me that 
we get to see it as kind of, you know, potential, like a job that we can like, you know, we can be weavers like the sister and she can see it as a, as a viable career path because, you know, we, we have the money to be able to buy craft at the price that it should be for yeah. you know, people's labor mm-hmm. and and that they they are these like act like crafts people that have been doing it for centuries absolute centuries you know can't see it as as a way to continue and I just think that that's it's such it's so problematic that you know that that we kind of are able to to do this thing that we love and see it as you know we can actually make a living from it and then you know people who know the craft inside out back to front upside down whatever just can't even make any money from it yeah and yeah so that's who I'm that's who I'm most inspired by crafts people that that you know do the work without you know the the glory but they deserve all the glory for it yeah they do amazing um okay well one of our we I've just realized that we're kind of approaching the end so one of the questions that we like to ask is um if you could live inside a piece of art which one would you choose? It's such a great question. And when I was I was thinking about it, I was like, oh my God, I really need to, at, at first I was like, I really need to just think of like something that's cool and like quirky. And, and I was like, I can't think of anything. And it was, and I was thinking and thinking and thinking. And I really love what we said about um, Pierre Bonnard's work and yeah. his, his paintings are super beautiful and they would just be an absolute dream. But also like, you know, Matisse's paintings always kind of, have been a real inspiration but actually you know Christo and Jean-Claude like their um huge huge kind of textile encompassing amazing pieces that are just just out of this world and just kind of I do wonder where all that material goes though I think they do reuse it but like I see them and you know the 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 materials are like poly poly and synthetic materials just because of the weathering and stuff but Mm -hmm. I think they reuse them but I was still like where do all these fabrics go (laughs) I'm really sorry that I don't actually have a really great answer for this question I'm trying to I would see you living in a Christ, like a, uh, like a Christo and Jean Claude installation, like a Lenda installation. I would see yeah. that, you know. <laughs> for sure, for sure. There's also there's an artist that I really love called Ra- Rachel Haynes, Rachel B Haynes, and she creates these um, really, you know, incredible kind of patchwork pieces. Oh, there is there is so many that I would live in and it would be really difficult to choose just one I would probably live in a textile piece maybe a quilt from G's Bend or a rug from Chiprovsi because they have like all the kind of you know symbols for the trees and the birds and the flowers and I think that would actually be a really beautiful place to live I mean in an ideal world you'll do, you'd just have your wall full of different art that you could jump in and out of that that is my answer I'd have like a room of different artworks that I could just like hop in and hop out of the most fantastic holidays I guess jumping from the north yeah exactly go traveling through some paintings amazing well it was really nice to talk to you um and to catch up and know a little bit more about your work um in terms of I mean I guess basically you're going to graduate from the Royal College soon with us. Yeah. <laughs> with me, well, um, what do you have any other plans for the near future, or uh, are you seeing how it goes? I mean, I just yeah. I do have some plans. I've got um, in the like very near future. I've got a commission with an organisation called High High Street 
Heritage High Street Association, something like that. And it's like a community project where we're gonna, I'm going to work with um, the college to make a tapestry based on like Spode's history. So that's kind of like a collaborative project that's coming up more in the kind of later future. I'm hoping to be able to go to Bulgaria. I need to, my, my grandma's here in England with us at the moment, but I need to, you know, take her back to Bulgaria. So I'll do that and that maybe in May, but definitely in the summer, if not. And there's some stuff that I'd like to do in Bulgaria. Um, there's some other really nice collaborations that I've got coming up one potentially with a, with a brand and then with some of the peers and stuff as well and outside of the RCA and inside so but yeah just gonna see how it goes I'm not I don't really like to I don't like do the five-year plan thing it's very I'm I can barely stick to a week's plan so yeah I'm just gonna see how it goes you've really got some exciting stuff in the in the work so definitely some yeah. nice stuff to keep our eyes open for yeah for sure but yeah thank you so much for having me it's been really nice to chat yeah, to you yeah thank you so much it was amazing yeah <laughs> so podcast is done now we are really happy to welcome katrina for this episode you can find as usual pictures of her work on all instagram artists in pyjamas uh, we'll share some illustration and some of her like inspiration as well and you can also find her own instagram at Katrina Wild, and uh, also check out the articles on her journal on their website wildstudio.co.uk. Uh, we talk about them a few times in the podcast, and they're really worth a read. So go check those out. We'll see you for the next episode. <laughs>